Can Bleacher Report. And, Mo, good to have you on the show as always. The Nuggets, uh, they finished 16-4 and in the postseason, 10 wins in the last 11 games, never faced elimination. Obviously, Jokic and Murray were great, but as a team, what in mo- what most impressed you about the about the Nuggets? Just you know, the run that they had through the playoffs. I think that it was just they never panicked, and I, I and maybe it starts from Jokic, but it was never a situation where you know guys would go out and hey, Bruce Brown would step up, Aaron Gordon would have a monster game, Michael Porter Jr. would have some plays. Christian Brown had his own game, and it was practically one game three, it felt like, on his own. Um, I think there's just everybody stepped up in moments when they were needed, but they were never phased by situations. Like when Jokic fouls out, in, or excuse me, gets into foul trouble in game four, no problem. Murray just steps in, and, and, and the entire squad just rolled from there, and there was just no panic in that. I think was probably the most impressive thing is just their composure. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Michael Malone has grown as a head coach. In what areas do you think he has shown the most progress? Yeah, I think, honestly, he's, he was always a really great coach. I think part of the situation was, you know, he was in Sacramento, and that was a weird organization and things like that. I think he's grown in terms of just, I think his X's and O's is excellent. Now, part of it is, look, you have Nikola Jokic. <laughs> so that, helps. <laughs> that helps the son. But I think he does a great job of just the pulse of the team, when to push guys, when not to. I mean, look at the growth that we've seen from Michael Porter Jr. on the defensive end. And I'm not just talking about the playoffs. I'm talking about the entire season. That's coaching. That's development. That's him working with, you know, with Porter on, on hey, we, these are the things we need from you. This is what we need you to do. You do this, we're going to win a championship. And it paid off that. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, he's a University of Arizona alum, and I actually thought he was really the best defender for of any team, uh, for any player in this postseason. How's his game change in Denver after he was the man in Orlando? Well, I think that was the thing, was he was miscast in Orlando as he's the man. He's the number one option or number two option. For being honest, he's not that guy, and we know that because Orlando didn't really do much. They were a very mediocre team with him in that instance. He's come to Denver, and he slides into the perfect role. I'm going to be your best defender. I'm going to guard the other team's best guy. And then on top of that, I'm going to be a third or fourth option. And what works perfectly with him and Jokic is that he's such a great cutter, it creates opportunities. And with Jokic, again, if you cut and you're open, he'll find you. And I think that's one of the things there that – kind of made Aaron Gordon the perfect fit. Look, when they traded for him originally, you know, a few years back before the Jamal Murray injury, I thought this was a championship team. This team's ready to win a championship right now. Then Murray goes down and it's a two-year odyssey. It's a little bit difficult in that sense, but that was the missing piece for the Denver Nuggets. Is this the first championship of a Nuggets dynasty? And what, what actually qualifies as an NBA dynasty? Yeah, I think, you know, look, it's we're, we're always so quick to do to throw the dynasty talk after right. one championship. I usually say, hey, you got to get to the next finals before I start talking about dynasty. And the way the NBA is set up now, it's the, the windows are smaller. I don't think the opportunities are as long as we think. We always go, it's going to last six, seven years, and it's three years. It's, it's one of those types of things. I think with 
they have all the tools. They have guys under contract. They're in a great situation. It'll be interesting how the new CBA will affect them as well in terms of adding pieces and, and, and making moves going forward. But I think they have a chance to be really solid at least for the next few years. I mean, they definitely should be the favorite next year to win the championship. Although we spent the whole year this year when they were the number one seed trying to, trying to pick them apart. <laughs> I was at the top of the top of the ladder, probably doing that because of the road record concerned me. Mo Dequeel, the Athletic and Bleacher Report, curling in the Sports Zone. Okay, the Heat—they've uh, lost in the finals in two of the last four years. What do they need to do this offseason to get over the so-called hump here? I think they, they they need to add talent. I think honestly, the one thing we've learned from these runs with the Heat is that Bam Adebayo is probably not your number two guy. He doesn't score enough consistently. It, it, I was a little bit disappointed in his offensive finals performance. I thought, you know, defensively he's really good. I think they need to add somebody. Jimmy can't carry you. He, he ran out of gas. He, you know, whether it's the ankle, whether there's another injury we're going to find out about later, he just simply ran out of gas. They need to add some more offensive firepower. And as fun as it was, the Gabe Vincent story, the Max Drew story, the Caleb Martin story, Talent wins out, and they need to do. They need to add talent, and they probably need to add some size as well. Along those lines, over the last couple of days, I've heard Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal mention as possibilities. Are those realistic possibilities? I think you know Dame could be realistic. I think Bradley Beal probably not. I think it's part of it is just his contract is so massive. He signed that super duper max, and you know it's at two hundred and fifty million. I think teams are going to kind of have a hard time saying, "Hey, we're going to start, we're going to go after him and then deal with the tax implications that come with it." Again, this new CBA is going to come into effect, and it's going to change the way teams sort of are built and operated. And I think that's going to be an important aspect. Dame's a realistic possibility in the sense of he, if he does demand a trade, that's going to be high on his list because he's going to want to play with Bam. He's already, I mean, he basically said it. So. It's that simple. It turns out the Suns actually won the most games against the Nuggets in the playoffs. But there are obviously a lot of questions about the Suns over the next few weeks, including the futures of Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. How should the Suns proceed this offseason? Yeah, I think they need to just fill holes. And I think that's going to be a very difficult thing to do with the roster constraints that you have. And I, I, I think the... The, the starting point for me is I would actually try to find DeAndre in a new home and try to turn him into two or three guys if I can. You know, they're not going to be superstars. I'm not going to be trying to demand a one-for-one haul type situation. But if I could turn DeAndre and just throwing out names, just, no, just throwing out wild stuff here, folks. I don't want anybody to go like, well, you said this would happen. Uh, <laughs> like, throwing, like, say DeAndre into Charlotte for, like, a combination of, like, P.J. Washington maybe Terry Rozier or something like, you know, along those lines of turning them into multiple pieces to kind of fill, fill out your roster here a little bit. We saw what happened. It was really a two man roster and that, that won you two games against the eventual NBA champions, but it's not going to be enough really to go through an entire season in a playoff run. The Suns hired Frank Vogel. Personally, I haven't gotten over the Pacers game seven loss to the heat, which was not his best coaching <laughs> moment. Uh, what do you think of Vogel? I love him. I think he's a great coach. I think he got a uh, raw deal here with the Lakers after winning a championship. 
you know, he wins a championship and then they create a roster that's not capable of winning a championship and look at him going like, why can't you win a championship? I think that's one of the un- unfortunate deals of coaching sometimes. And I, and, and I think he was scapegoated with the whole year with Russell Westbrook. I think ultimately he's a really good coach. He's going to get you to defend. And I think with the, the guys you have on, just those two guys you have on offense, offense will kind of figure itself out. He'll put in some good stuff and create some good action. But the most important thing is he'll get the defense right. Talking with Mo DeKeel of uh, the Athletic and Bleacher Report. Okay, all the coaching vacancies have been filled, including Monty Williams catching on in Detroit and Philadelphia, landing Nick Nurse, who, if I remember correctly, is not your favorite coach. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you think of the coaching uh, you know, cycle now that it's over? Yeah, and you're right on that. Nick Nurse is not my favorite coach, but I actually think that's actually a good place for him, uh, depending on how things play out for them. He'll he'll get them to play defense there and, and defend. That's what he does. And I'll still have a lot of questions about their offensive creativity. I think it was a pretty good coaching hire uh, cycle. I think across the board, we saw some new names kind of get moved around. Adrian Griffin in, in Milwaukee, I think he has a chance to be pretty successful as a new you know first-time head coach. Um, Toronto is going to be interesting in terms of how they move forward and, and, and build up and keep everything going there. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, we'll see. You know, the thing about coaching hires is like, this is great, but we have to see what happens when these guys are coaching games. That's true. These things, they change, they change quickly sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, looking ahead to the offseason, are there a couple of player movement storylines that kind of top your list in the, the upcoming offseason here? Well, I think this is going to be a very trade-heavy offseason more than a, a, a this guy signing their situation. Um, I think the biggest free agent name, whether he's the best free agent, the different story is Kyrie Irving, and everybody will have questions as to where he goes. But I think we're going to see a lot of movement just sort of in trades. I think we're going to see stuff where, you know, I think this is probably the, the one year where we finally see Damian Lillard move. This might be an opportunity where we're going to see a lot of different names get mentioned here because the free agent class is not that deep. You know, we're talking about guys like, besides Kyrie, we're talking about like Gabe Vincent, Dylan Brooks, and things like that. I don't think people are that kind of enthralled with the, uh, the, the free agent run. So I think the we expect a lot of trades, which means there's going to be a lot of trade rumors going into all of these things. The Warriors, obviously, Bob Myers already has announced his departure. What What do you think happens uh, with the Warriors, player personnel wise? I think they bring it back. I think they just try to look to, to build around the edges. I think their core of Curry, Draymond, and, and Clay come back, and Kevon Looney. I think after that, it's pretty wide open. I should include Wiggins in that also. I think that starting five is probably sticking around. I think they need to retool the bench. It won't surprise me if Jordan Poole finds a new home. Uh, they, again, they need to kind of add some more just firepower off the bench and, and guys that can play within their system. And I think it'll be very interesting to watch how that kind of evolves. But I don't think we're going to see a, I don't think we're going to see a whole new Warriors team. Okay, last up, being in Phoenix, I think I'm contractually obligated to ask about the Lakers. <laughs> so, what do you think happens to them in the off season? Yeah, I mean they're a really interesting one. I think they, I think they like the guys they have. They need to retool in some places, and the biggest question is what do they end up doing with D'Angelo Russell? 
you can't max him. He's not a max player. And I think it's going to be very interesting. But he played a role for them. I mean, he didn't show up in the playoffs. But I think for them, they need to find a way to make, you know, either turn him into something that's a, a comfortable starter, but I think, or they need to find a way to create a, a system so that, hey, when he's not playing, we have a great option coming off the bench. And Schroeder was good, but he's not going to be good enough for them. So I think they're going to be looking to sort of add some backcourt depth. And we'll see how that kind of plays out. And, you know, there's always going to be that possibility of LeBron and Kyrie teaming up again. Okay, that'll be that'll be fun to follow. <laughs> see how that goes. All right, Bo, I really appreciate all the time throughout the season. Have a good off season, and uh, we appreciate the basketball basketball education. Thanks a lot. Cool. I'm gonna miss you guys. <laughs> well, we'll try to. We might drag you out during the off season here from time to time. <laughs> Please do. I'm always available for you guys. All right. Appreciate Thank you for having. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Mo DeKeel, the Athletic and Bleacher Report. Check him out on Twitter and all his uh, various ventures, uh, which he'll let you know if you check him out on Twitter. All right.